Hey everyone, this is Lyle and Lawson, your host for the Faith FM Breakfast Show. We are taking a much needed break over the holiday period and we'll be back live with you on the 10th of January. Our amazing producer Shell has put together some of the best and greatest shows from the year that you're going to enjoy revisiting. So stay tuned and listen in and we will be back live very soon. And of course, have a wonderful Christmas season. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning. You're with the Double L team, Lyle and... Lawson. Lawson, what are you thankful for this morning? Oh, look, woke up, bright, sunny day. It's perfect spring weather right now. Yeah. Yes. Well, because it's the first day of spring. Yes. And so that means that the weather's just going to get better. No, tomorrow's the first day of spring. Isn't today? I said yesterday today would be the first day, but I was wrong. Tomorrow is the first there's day. There's 31 days in August. Also. Yeah, there's an extra day. <laughs> August has an extra day just to mess with our heads. It is the last oh, day no, of winter. Oh, no, the song is, is September has 30 days. That's right. Okay. I think they should swap it around. I like more springtime. 
Yeah. Take a, take a day off of winter and give it to spring. That's right. We could have some warmer Does weather. Does that like mess with the equilibrium of the world or with time or how we track well, extra time? day of warm weather, you know, uh, extra day of, you know, you could start planting yeah. a, a couple of days earlier, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's, isn't that just like the, 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 the blinds, I guess, <laughs> like the fading light, like it does, you're not actually changing the weather, but Hey, like I, at least it's warm today. We're about to have spring, and we're experiencing spring weather already, which is great. Yes. I wake up this morning, I come here, you know, I'm wearing, like, jeans and a T-shirt. It's probably going to get to, like, shorts 25 weather. Oh. in Singleton. Oh, okay. If you go to Singleton. Yeah, no. We don't, we, we don't go to Singleton. We're in lockdown. <laughs> we're in lockdown. We don't go there. Um, okay, so here's what I'm thankful for this morning. Yeah, what are you thankful for? Date night. Oh, that's cute. Yes. Yeah? Did you? You already had date night? We had double date night last night. Oh, that's awesome. So we double date with uh, another couple. Uh-huh. Yes. C- cool. At home. Oh, yeah. Nice. By Zoom. Is that, oh, say, <laughs> is that allowed? <laughs> so we did. We put on some nice clothes, made a nice meal, sat down and shared a meal with some good friends for a couple of hours. It was really nice. I think we need to do more of it. Moses was just a baby boy When his mama put him in a boat And the river took him all He met a pretty princess wasn't enough till I heard a voice from a burning bush saying, Tell old Pharaoh to let my people go free. David was just a shepherd boy. When the prophet said he would be king, even though he was the youngest son, he heard about a giant, went to see the king, grabbed a bag of petals and he slung his sling, and the rock of ages brought the mighty giant to his knees. Well, you may feel a bit insignificant when you're standing next to one of those men. But there was nothing special about him Until they let the Holy Spirit in And with a mighty hand They took their stand While everybody else is making cheap talk It's not the size of the man that matters All that matters is the size of the rock have you heard about the baby king? Our ghost herald angels sing He was the father's only son He taught us about heaven We nailed him to the tree But in three days he was alive and free Because the heart of the rock Was mightier than the stone so the next time you feel insignificant When you're standing next to one of those men Like there is nothing special about ya Just let the Holy Spirit in And with a mighty hand 
stand, you'll take your stand while everybody else is making cheap talk. It's not the size of the man that matters. All that matters is the size of the rock. Mighty hand, take your stand. Listen to me, brother, cause I'm talking to you. Jesus is the only one that carry you through. All that matters is the size of the rock. But uh, let's jump into some positively different news this morning. So, Lyle, did you know that they just discovered the biggest coral in the Barrier Reef? Oh, really? They found a bigger one than the last biggest one? Yeah. Uh, This is cool. So, they just published their uh, reports in Nature Magazine of this big coral, which has been named the Muga Dambi, after, you know... uh, was named by the Manbara people as they're kind of the custodians of that land. And this piece of coral has been discovered, and it is 5.3 metres tall and 10.4 metres wide. That is enormous! It's like the biggest piece of coral you could possibly What was the imagine. biggest one up until this point, do we know? Um, a... I'm, I'm reading here, it doesn't say... Doesn't say. say. It doesn't say. That's just off the charts. As far as tallness goes, like it is the single tallest um, coral. Coral. Um, no, sorry, it is the single widest coral and the sixth tallest coral. But they are deeming it the biggest piece of coral. So it has the most cubic meters of coral. That's right. That's right. And this thing is just massive. There are like, corals out there that are taller than that. Yeah. How how tall is that one? What if we should find out what See, the tallest one is? See, this is the thing, is. though, is that I feel like these big, tall corals would be, like, long and skinny and straight, whereas this is, like, a massive rock. It's like the it's like the underwater air's rock, but, like, way, way smaller because <laughs> it's only 10 metres um, wide. But, yeah, it's interesting how they found this, though. It was, like, you know, amongst the... 2,900 reefs in, in the Barrier Reef, and they were running a, a citizen science workshop, so just, like, something super basic with a bunch of randoms. Um, and they're like, oh, let's go up to some remote areas that we usually can't get to because of the weather. Um, and, yeah, like, their group, including Dr. Adam Smith, found this massive piece of coral. And they're like, oh, well, there you go. Um, and then started, you know, getting getting on the radio, making orders. Hey, bring our telemetry um, devices over here. Let's let's measure this thing. Let's plot its coordinates. We need to, we need to, we need to see what this is. So basically, yeah, they've, um, they've gone through and they've just like fully mapped it out now, this piece of coral. Um, but yeah, it was completely... Is completely what what they're determining is that it was completely unknown up until this point, and they reckon it's around four hundred thirty eight years old. That's a decent age. That is definitely a decent age. Been growing there for a long time. That is very very impressive. I'm just trying to do some quick googling here. I can't find what the tallest, the world's tallest coral is. Yeah, there's there's a whole bunch of articles on the world's biggest one, which is just sort of um, landed, and everybody's talking about this because it's the biggest one. Yeah, that's but right. But what I did find out was that coral can grow as deep as 1,800 fathoms. Did you know that? That's a long way down. What's a fathom? Is it like a metre? No, it's a couple of metres. Okay. So 3,300 oh, metres. that is a long way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, pressure. yeah. I thought once you get that low, then things, there'd just be too much pressure. It'd just be like sand, right? No. 
No, nah, they corals. Can, they they live down there. They're killing it. Uh huh. They <laughs> absolutely are. And also, you've got corals that are living north of Scotland. Yes. We sometimes think of corals as being tropical, but there's actually corals that live north of Scotland. Yeah. That's a long... That's like up in the Arctic. That's freezing. Arctic... I did not know there were Arctic corals. I'm learning new things right now just trying to find out. I want to know what the tallest one is. We now find out what the biggest one is. We have it here in Australia. So another big tick for Australia right there. That's right. Nature is amazing. I just love the things that God creates. Yeah. Oh, I did. The photos of them swimming around the coral look so funny because it's like, it's like this big rock that's like fluffy on the top. And they're just like swimming around it with like tape measures and it just looks hilarious. Like there's just dwarfs everyone near it. Like it looks like it's huge. It is ginormous. But oh, yeah, that's awesome. Oh, that's so good. I I think it's cool to find it as well. Like we've mentioned on the show a number of times. And if you've kind of followed your your barrier reef, um, you know, history and, and, and current events, pun intended, uh, <laughs> then you would know that, you know, there's lots of tragedy going on with, you know, dying coral and bleaching coral and all these things. So to find this massive piece of coral, and, and being that it's so far up north as well, it means that it's quite easy to protect and there's not a lot of um, traffic in the water there that could mess it up. So I guess, look, I just love knowing that Australia has the biggest and best things. Of course. <laughs> what, what, where else would you, you know, it's, it should go without saying. That's it? right. We're, pa- we're patriotic here. Um, all right. Oh, dude, I have another story, which is hectic, insane. So a pregnant Afghan woman who boarded the U.S. Ev- evacuation aircraft gave birth in the plane whilst hundreds of passengers were inside. Um, yeah. And she named the baby after the plane. So the plane was called Reach. It's a C-17. And she named the baby Reach after the plane. Nice. So, dude, this would be the most intense birthing experience ever. Yes. You've got a bunch of people fleeing Afghanistan, like... And you're giving birth right there on the plane. And you, Yeah. So, basically, she starts to give birth, but then has start, starts having some health complications because of, like, low blood pressure because they're so up high. So, they start to, you know, drop altitude in the plane. She comes to, and they're, like literally land in Ramstein in Germany. They, you know, call up the the um, the air traffic controller, like, hey, we've got a lady giving birth here. They literally land the plane, like, in, it touches down, and as it's coming to a stop, she pushes the thing out, and then medics from, Ra- like, this uh, air base in Ramstein all just, like, run to the plane. And, you know, the baby's, baby's delivered, and they... It's healthy, it's happy. Take you to the hospital. Nice. <laughs> it's like the most intense story. Latest, the, the newest German citizen, right? Yeah. Well, actually, they they're going to be end up getting to the US. Yes. So, so still apparently. So, does this baby got Afghan citizen, German citizen, or American? Which what what kind of citizenship oh, will this baby be have? Epic if it had all three. You're just like imagine if it had bought, been born at thirty thousand feet. Does that mean that it just has it's just a, a citizen of the planet, Mister Worldwide? We should, we should have we should have citizen of the planet, a planet citizen. That's right. You know, and then you can just sort of travel anywhere and go anywhere. I love how they named the baby Reach. That's like my favorite part. It's a little baby girl yeah. named oh, Reach. She's a, that's a girl. I thought it was a boy. No, it's a girl. A little baby girl named Reach, um, which is really just, just epic. Like, what a name. Yeah, absolutely. Firstly, but it's also like commemorating something really amazing. But like this baby Reach is going to end up eventually in the United States and growing up. And it's like... Yeah, I could imagine, like, oh, man, that's a really interesting name. Where'd you get it from? And then her responding, like, 
oh yeah, it's because I was born on a C-17 fleeing Afghanistan called Reach. And then people respond being like, we don't believe you. And then she like pulls out the photo up or whatever <laughs> yes. it is. Like, um, no, nope, this is the plane right here. Dude, oh, it's the coolest She's going to have ever. some stories to tell. Imagine when she's a grandmother and she's like, well, when I was born. <laughs> what an <laughs> epic story. Oh, that's right. But yeah, oh man, great stuff going on. I have one final story here, and I'm a, I'm a little bit I'm a little bit interested by this one to see how it works and its application. Essentially, um, a young Irishman uh, has won the Google International Science Fair for making like this magnetic water that can be put into ocean water and suck in microplastics and take it out. Wait, no, but microplastics are not magnetic. Well, apparently this has the ability to suck them in. That's pretty epic. It's this it's this water that's like magnetized iron oxide and vegetable oil. Right. And and this is the thing. So though. you're putting water in water. Yeah. But it's magnetized. So the water that goes into the water spreads through the water. Yeah. So the microplastics that are already in the water move to a different place in the water. Yeah, but then they move to where you can see the new water spreading. Because it's but then when the new water finishes spreading, then the microplastics... Yeah, but apparently, like, there's a way in which... See, what we need is a paint. That's right. That way you could just paint all the bottoms of the ships with this <laughs> magnetic paint. That's right. Scrape off all the microplastics when they come to port mm-hmm. and send the ships back out again. Are your thoughts to me?
Okay, so let's uh, head over to Indonesia uh, today. Of course, Indonesia is the world's most populous Islamic nation. We often mm, have right. uh, stories coming out of Indonesia as a result of that that uh, detail religious persecution in that country. I think, uh, let me just see here, it is ranked number 47 uh, in the world where Christians are persecuted, which is, you know, it's a fair way down the list for number 47. But it is still a place where, you know, I was recently talking to a lady who had gone into an area in Indonesia to aid Christians. She was a Christian herself, and she talked about stepping over the bodies of Christians who had been slaughtered in the streets. So even when you're number 47, it can be still a very, very rough place for Christianity. And, you know, that doesn't tell the real story of Christian persecution. And so what we have today is a story about a leader of a congregation uh, in Jakarta who has been arrested under religious blasphemy laws and accused of blasphemy. Uh, now, this is the kind of thing that we hear a lot more coming out of places like Pakistan. Uh, this is not Sharia law. This is, you know, in Pakistan, it's a leftover from British law. The person who has arrested, his name is Muhammad Yaha Waloni. He is an imam from Jakarta. Mm-hmm. Wait. Yes. He's an imam. Yes. He's been arrested I was waiting blasphemy. for that to sink in. But didn't you say he's a leader of a congregation? Yes. An Islamic one? Or? An Islamic congregation. Okay. He's the leader of a mosque. Oh, okay. Yes. <laughs> and he okay. has just been arrested. This is an interesting story for blaspheming against Christianity. Uh, you weren't expecting no. that, were you? You were <laughs> no. not expecting that. 
Okay, so in a particular sermon, uh, he's been charged with calling the Bible fiction. Well, that's kind of blaspheming against Islam as well, because you know that's Islam right. uh, has you know the Torah, the Injil, the um, you know, and 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 you know quite a large portion of the Bible that they see as being inspired. So you can't mm. just say that the that the Bible is fiction. Uh, and part of that may come about as this is somebody who converted to Islam in 2006. Maybe he's a little bit ignorant. I don't mm. know. Uh, but there was a complaint that was that was filed by a civil group, okay, against this particular person, uh, and yeah, arrested on blasphemy laws. Now, I just want to say this: here we've got the opposite happening. How do we respond to that when the opposite happens? What should we do when the opposite happens? Mm. When the opposite happens to what we normally see, mm. we should not res- we should not support this. Yeah, we need to absolutely fight against the fact that this person has been arrested for blaspheming against Christianity, because he absolutely has the right to blaspheme against Christianity. He has the right to say that Christianity is a wrong religion. He has the right to say that the Bible is a work of fiction if he so chooses. Mm. Because that's what religious liberty is. And if we don't fight for religious liberty for everyone, we have no religious liberty for ourselves. Religious liberty is not Christian liberty. Mm. So often as Christians, we get confused about this and we think we need to be just out there fighting for Christian liberty. If all we ever do is fight for Christian liberty, we will lose our Christian liberty. We need to fight for religious liberty because that, is what is valued by a free society, and that is what creates freedom. Mm. And fighting for Christian, for religious liberty means that we are fighting for the right for people to say things about us that we find truly offensive. So uh, just to get some more perspective on this story, like in Indonesia, which is mostly Islamic, Islamic country, yes. there are laws prohibiting people from blaspheming against Christianity. There are laws prohibiting people from blaspheming against religion. Up until this particular point, it's only ever been applied to Christians. Yeah. And so, you know, three days earlier, you've got a Muslim convert to Christianity who was, who was arrested, um, who, after he posted uh, something to YouTube where he said Muhammad was surrounded by devils and liars. So he got arrested for that as well. Um, there's been more than a thousand churches across uh, across Indonesia that have been closed as a result of Islamic pressure. You know, so this is not a country where you know uh, Christians get off easy. This is a country where the government and the police generally turned a blind eye to persecution against Christians. Mm. This is kind of a first off, and I think it's going to take the country and the and the whole world with a bit of shock. Yeah. But what I want to see is Christians stand up in defense of this guy in Indonesia because that's what needs to happen. Mm. They need to set an example of supporting religious liberty. Anyway, coming back to your Kanye West story, uh, I think that what you're seeing here is an expression with Kanye West of cultural Christianity Mm. rather than conversion Christianity. that's, That's my opinion. And cultural Christianity is the kind of Christianity that looks at Christianity as being a great philosophy and a great lifestyle and a great way to live rather than something that changes your heart and changes who you are and makes you into a different person. Uh, A really good example of this would be what Harvard University has just done in that they have uh, just just, uh, appointed 
a new head of their chaplaincy system, um, a new head chaplain, and this man is a devout and avowed atheist. This made me cringe so much. His name is Greg Epstein. He is 44 years old. There are 40 chaplains at Harvard University. He is the author of the book, Good Without God. Yikes. Now, okay, so it would be, you know, fine. Appoint the guy as a counsellor. You know, give him the title of a counsellor. You're not a chaplain. You're a counsellor. You're teaching. You're giving good counsel and you're teaching kids how to be good people. Mm. That's fine. I'm not opposed to that. Yeah. But don't call yourself a chaplain. Yeah, that's right. Because the purpose of a Christian chaplain is to lead somebody to Jesus Christ is to lead somebody to recognize that they are a sinner in need of a savior. Yeah. Now, what is very significant about this appointment is that he was elected to this position. By the other chaplains. By the other chaplains. So what does that say about the other chaplains? Yikes. That says that that Harvard University has been employing chaplains who are into cultural Christianity. Mm-hmm rather than conversion Christianity. Because nobody who believes in conversion, nobody who believes that their job is to lead students to Christ and that they have fulfilled their job when students are converted, when they recognize that they are a sinner in need Mm. of a Savior and they find that Savior and turn away from their life of sin. Mm. Nobody who recognizes that as their calling is going to vote for an atheist to be the head of the chaplaincy system. Yeah, that's right. Uh, nobody who recognized that, right, recognizes that the purpose of education is redemption and that education without redemption, without salvation, is wasted because what's the point in living a short 70, 80-year lifespan on here on this earth where you know a bunch of stuff, mm. if that's all you get, yeah, well. education should be preparing people for eternity. Mm. We should be taking the knowledge that we are learning and saying, I'm going to use this as a foundation for the knowledge that I will have for eternity. Christianity has lost its way. The Bible says at the end of time that Christianity is, followed, is, is symbolized by Babylon and truly Babylon has fallen.
And you're invited! New Star Juice and the RTM Op Shop are celebrating their second anniversary with 20 days of festivities for all. At New Star Juice, we're giving away two items for the price of one for 20 days. Buy one, get one free. And the RTM Op Shop is selling bags for just $20. Whatever items from the shop you can fit in the bag is yours. Clothes, appliances, shoes, books, teddy bears. You can have it all for only $20. Don't miss this opportunity as it's only available while supplies last. Come celebrate with us for 20 days from the 22nd of November to the 17th of December at both New Start Juice and the RTM Op Shop. Monday to Friday from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at 45 William Street, Raymond Terrace. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. 
if what God has already done isn't enough for you, nothing's going to be enough for you. Because it's meant to be real. And real life stories have baggage. We know that Peter's a loose cannon. It's all about context. And he chose different personalities to express that because his personality is infinite. If it's a love song written to us, when we're at our lowest points, we've got backup. Like a lot of the rational arguments for the existence of God, they tend to work better after you believe. Hi, this is Luke from oztabletalk.com.au. Please join myself and some of my closest friends as we explore our faith through conversation, Bible study, interviews, and more. You can find us online at oztabletalk.com.au. That's oz as in Australia, A-U-S, tabletalk.com.au. Looking forward to seeing you there. Bye. I'm so glad that's recorded because I want to write that down. Yeah. (laughs) Someone called it a care package there. Wow. Welcome back, everybody. This is The Breakfast Show, interview of the daytime. Joining us on the phone this morning is Christopher Randall. Chris, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Pastor Law. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, Chris, you have a story to tell that has yet to be told. My understanding is it hasn't been shared yet, but you've probably got a whole slew of people who lined up to do interviews and to hear this particular story. It's a story of tragedy. It's a story of sacrifice. It's a story of tremendous danger. It's a story of a miracle on your part. I really don't know how to put into words everything that takes place in this story. It is a unique story, probably more unique than any other story, but it's also something that has happened very, very recently. So, Chris, you were involved in a parachuting accident. Can you just sort of take us back to the start of this story and tell us a little bit about why were you parachuting? Was this something that you do on a regular basis? Was this a particular special occasion? Okay, well, I'll start back in the 1990s. That's when I first had a desire to jump out of a perfectly good plane. And my daughter, Raya, she got a skydiving voucher for her birthday from her friends. And so she was going to go. And she was thinking at the time, because we were in lockdown in Victoria, and she wasn't going to be able to go. But we come out of lockdown on the 28th of um, July, and I said to her, oh, yeah, I wouldn't mind going. And so she rang up, and, um, yeah, there was a spot there booked. And so we were planning on going on the 30th. A few things happened, and I wasn't able to go that morning. And then that changed again, but Raya had already gone. And so this is probably the, the first impression of God that I I got from this whole encounter was there was just something in me saying, don't delay, go with Raya. And so, and Raya already left. So I said to my wife, contact Raya, um, you know, let her know that I'm going to be coming now. And while my wife was doing that, I quickly grabbed a few things and I hopped in my car and I caught up with Raya and then we went in Raya's car. Yeah, good. We got there. We did our briefings and the training and, and we we're going to do a tandem, um, jump. And this was, uh, Raya and my first time doing skydiving. And so we went up in the plane and it was, um, like so good, you know, just looking over the ocean and it's like I love scuba diving. And so I was looking at the sea and then we went over the uh, the countryside and then it was time to jump. So Raya and her instructor, they jumped first and then um, we jumped after that. And it was an amazing feeling. It really was. I was just loving life so much. But unbeknownst to me, the first parachute or the main parachute didn't work. And, um, you know, and I'm just loving the free fall. And it was just amazing, just an amazing feeling. Then all of a sudden, we were sort of like, instead of in a, a 
vertical position, we're in a horizontal position. I've looked up and I can see the secondary parachute, which I didn't know at the time, but uh, I found out later. So the, the um, secondary parachute, and it was out, but it was not filling with air. And I could see Raya and her instructor above us. And then I realised, oh, we're in trouble here. When the first parachute failed, did they jettison the first parachute and then try for the second? I'm not really sure what was actually going on, and we probably won't know exactly what's happened till after the investigation, and that could take you know twelve or more months. So, mm, mm. yeah. But that yeah. I mean that is just an incredibly rare occurrence to have two parachutes on the one jump on the one person to fail. I mean, mm-hmm. this, is, this is a sport that is one of the safest sports that there is in Australia right now, and to have two fail, that's just, yeah, it's that's, unheard, that's of, unheard of. It, yeah. is, it is, it is absolutely yeah. unheard of. Yeah. Well, the, the odds, someone told me the odds, and it was like one in so many millions that one parachute doesn't go off, let alone two. Mm. And so, yeah, it's just, um, it's just not meant to happen, basically. But, yeah, it is. Did the instructor communicate with you at this point or was he pretty much just had his, his hands too full dealing with the crisis? Okay, yeah. So my instructor, um, he was telling me um, to put my legs back, like in a banana position because that's part of the, the pre-training, what the drills that you, you learn to do before you go up. And so I was trying to get my legs back as far as I could and he is trying to do stuff with the chute, you know, trying to get that, that open and working or cut away. I'm not really sure. We won't know until after the investigation. And at the same time, he's clawing my legs to try and um, grab hold of my legs with his legs to keep them in a back position, like in that banana position. And while this is going on, this is the, the next part I'm about to say is a real boost to my faith in God because before this, you know, I really struggled that I'd basically sin every day, you know, just like everybody, you know, and it really got me down. You know, if like if I was a serious Christian, if I was really had that connection with God, you know, why do I keep sinning and, and that? What happened next really um, has boosted my faith in God and my connection with God because when I realized that we were in trouble, I didn't have any fear at all. And I was calling out, talking, so that Aaron, uh, my instructor, could hear. You know, I can't remember exactly, but it was along the lines of, God is good, have faith in God, um, trust God. Yeah, and so that was my last memory. And uh, the next thing that happened was that we hit the ground. And what I'm told, we were motionless and... Um, Ray and her instructor, they got down as quick as they could so that they could administer first aid. Now, you, you wouldn't have had any lo- ability to obviously steer the parachute to land in any particular location. No. Did, did, did Ray and her instructor, were they able to land nearby? Yeah, yeah. So what happened was that Ray and her instructor, they could see what was happening and they could see us falling and, um, you know, it was going into a sheep paddock. You know, the sheep had to scatter. Otherwise, they were going to get jumped on, basically. So... When we've landed and there was no motion and Raya and her instructor both thought that we'd already died, when, when they got down to the ground and um, you know, not long after that, um, we started moving um, and um, 
the instructor Aaron, the way he landed was that he's he's positioned himself. I'm not sure how that where he sort of like hit the ground first, and then I've because I'm strapped to him. Then I'm sort of like from what I can gather is I've partly hit the ground, but partly on top of Aaron at the same time. So. Now he he just did an amazing job to um, you know protect me as much as he did, which was just something from the hand of God. That's a level of and, sacrifice um, we just do not see in our world on a regular occasion these uh, days. Where, where mm-hmm. and, and professionalism as an instructor, where he makes that decision to protect his customer at all costs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, and I'm just so grateful for Aaron for what he did and. and just another another point too was that um, Ray was saying that when we were coming down, it was like very chaotic. We weren't spinning, but we were like moving in a really chaotic motion. But it was the last two to three seconds where everything just seemed calm and peaceful. Mm. Coming back I to... Think we both, no, yeah, just coming back to when you're laying there on the ground, did both of you... And Raya lands as well with her instructor. You both start to move. Yep. Did both of you regain consciousness at that point? Yeah, yeah, we we're both um, conscious. I can't really remember much about it. As, um, you know, as Raya and I talk about it, um, I'm getting small bits of memory back, but I basically can't remember much at all. And... Was 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 Raya and her instructor able to administer any first aid, or was it just a matter of wait for the emergency services to arrive? Raya's instructor came over first. He uh, got us into the recovery position, and then once we started moving, that's when Raya came over because that's when she realised, oh, you know, we're alive. You know, it's just a, an amazing thing. It's just like it had happened. Like yeah, the odds of it happening, and then the odds that we're both still alive. At that stage, um, but sadly, um, Aaron only lived maybe around an hour before he passed away. So, Chris, you mentioned that you believe that God strongly impressed you to go on this particular day, and yet mm-hmm. this was a day on which you had a bad accident. Why do you think that God impressed you to be there at this particular time? Okay, so I could have this wrong. The reason why I'm thinking was to be there with Aaron. Yes. Because one of the other parts is that if if I didn't go, then Raya, she might have been the one to fall. But with both of us there, both of us talking about God and praying to God with Aaron is something that I think that it was meant for Raya and herself to do and not um, somebody who doesn't have a connection with God. So that's my personal belief. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's very powerful. So Aaron placed his body underneath your body as he landed, takes the brunt of the fall, and basically sacrificed himself. Mm-hmm. I believe his last name was Topher. Is that correct, Aaron Topher? That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this guy's a hero, and this is this guy's somebody mm-hmm. who needs to be remembered, mm-hmm. and whose whose name needs to be spoken. And he's a true hero, right there. This is somebody who's. Yeah who's paid the ultimate price for somebody he doesn't even... Re- have, have you met, ever met this guy before? Was this somebody that you knew? No, that, no, this was the first time I'd ever met him, you know, just before we went, you know, into the plane, basically. You know, like he helped us get our um, harnesses and stuff on, and that was the first time we'd met him. And I understand he was a very experienced parachutist. 
Oh, Baron, he, he did several jumps a week and um, jumped all around the world. You know, he was he was a professional, and um, and he didn't he was not one to take risks either. So I found out later on too. So yeah, so he did everything he could to um, you know get the the shoots up, the parachutes, you know, for work. And um, you know, and as you said, you know, he landed in a way to protect myself, um, you know, the best he could. It's not often that I meet somebody and talk to somebody who is alive today because somebody else sacrificed their life for them. How does that mm-hmm. make you feel? It's um, very overwhelming. I'm here and I can enjoy family time, whereas you know, Aaron and his family and his friends, they've got good memories, but they can't do it in person. That's a, a hard thing to come to terms with, I guess you could say. You've been blessed with a with another shot at life because of the sacrifice of another person. These are the kind of stories that we need to hear. Um, we don't have much time left, but very quickly, I understand that Raya had an opportunity to actually minister to Aaron before he passed away. Uh, are you able to share any of that story? Yeah, well, this is this is a, another a God um, God thing because, like, on the way down, as I said, you know, like I was praising God and you know, and that, and so like Aaron, you know, I'm presuming would have definitely heard that. And then, as um, Ray is praying for him, um, at you know, when we're on the ground, um, Ray was saying that he had a, a sense of true calm and peace. You know, he was just content basically, and um, and then not long after that, he passed away. And so, um, you know, I, I sort of see it as God calling to Aaron. Um, you know, I'm here, you know, it's like Jesus is knocking at the door of your heart, you know, let Jesus in. And the way that Ray describes the peace that he had, you know, to me, he did let Jesus in and had that peace that only God can offer. Mm, mm. Yeah, it's a powerful story. Now, just briefly, Chris, um, your injuries... You've obviously been recovering over a number of weeks now. Uh, mm-hmm. Back on your feet again. What's what? What is the what are the injuries been, and what's the path ahead looking like for you? Yes, um, another good question. Um, so my injuries, um, considering how high we fell and the the force of the impact, um, my injuries are basically zilch. Um, they compared to what they could have been. Um, but basically, um, my hip was, um, dislocated. It was fractured. My L1 to 3 were damaged. Um, my kidney and spleen were damaged. My heart was, um, damaged. Um, a couple of broken ribs. Um, I had to have my tongue stitched up. And, um, uh, there's a few bits and other pieces and, and that as well, but um, but what really sort of is um, the biggest hurdle um, physically is the, the hip. So I still can't walk without uh, walking aids. Um, 
but um, you know, I'm, I'm basically um, starting today. I've got a medical appointment um, Monday to Friday. Um, well, at least one. So I've got two medical appointments today. So, um, and this is mainly all rehab to to get me back and walking and back scuba diving. Yeah, absolutely. So you've got a whole uh, ministry happening with scuba diving, and maybe we need to um, talk about that again one of these days um, with mm-hmm. everything that you do there, both for uh, you know people in the community and also for the environment, which is absolutely mm-hmm. a- amazing stuff. A whole YouTube channel that you've got going, which is um, uh, what was it called, the Happy Diver? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, the Happy Diver. Yeah, so yeah. jump on there and check that out because I understand that's where a bit where you'll be sh- continuing to share stories and starting to share mm-hmm. stories of uh, of your miraculous escape in this situation and of also mm-hmm. of Aaron's um, just selfless sacrifice. So, mm-hmm. uh, Chris, you mentioned that uh, there have been a number of other media outlets that have been in contact with you about sharing this particular story. We'd love to start. For- We'd love to follow the story as it progresses. Uh, what are some of these other outlets, and where will we where will we continue to hear more of your story? Okay, then. So um, I've had um, there's a, a local um, person, um, Fitz Media, I think he is. That his first name is William. So he he's um, teed up a, a um, an interview. Same with the local paper, um, the Standard paper. And there's also um, uh, Channel Seven. Um, they've they've asked for an interview. Oh, and the um, the Herald Sun, which is a, a Melbourne paper as well. So there's a few um, papers who have um, reached out to um, hear the story. And I think it's important to tell the story for the community's benefit as well, because so many people, and I mean like so many people have contacted us, um, either me personally or through the Happy Diver YouTube and Facebook and, and um, what's the other one, Instagram. And, like, people have literally been praying for myself, for my family, for Aaron, his family, all around the world, you know, like Canada, America, in the UK, um, maybe the Philippines and all over Australia as well. And I think it's important for people to see that I'm alive, yet I'm also able-bodied, um, even though I can't walk at, at this stage without having age, that I'm happy, I'm cheerful, and it's a positive story, especially in the times of all these lockdowns that we're having. I think it's really, really important for people to see a good story mm. instead of just the, um, the negative stuff that we've been exposed to. Yes, absolutely. Chris, thank you so much for sharing with us and so much for uh, joining us here on Faith FM. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. We appreciate your courage. We know it has not been easy to come on here on Faith FM this morning and to share this story, but we do appreciate the story that you've shared because of the testimony that is to you know, the power of God in very tragic circumstances mm-hmm. and also the testimony of you know a human being who sacrifices their life for another. These are stories that are rare today, and while tragic, they do give us hope in our in, in a world that often seems to be very dark. Um, Christopher Randall, thank you so much for joining us here on Faith FM. Thank you, Pastor Laurel and the Tricky Team.
We won't. 